Welcome to the Design for a Living podcast with Chelsea Coriel. On this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about how to price your services. <laughs> Yet again, <laughs> but this this is such an important topic and it's something that people ask me about all the time. And again, there is no one answer. So I'm going to walk you through why I wanted to talk about it today and um, give you some other ideas, right, on, on how you price your services. So this morning I get a call from one of my best friends, Tara Lawrence in San Diego. I told her I was going to talk about her today. Um, and this woman is a natural designer. She was, she was born with a gift. Now her mother was a designer and very talented, always had a store, kind of part of my inspiration for my store. Um, Tara always bragged that her mom, you know, because she owned it, she could come and go when she wanted. Sometimes if it was really beautiful weather in California, she'd have a sign that said, um, closed due to weather, but it just meant she was at the beach. <laughs> and people would just come and hang out. They felt really comfortable there, and she'd serve really great coffee. And then she started selling the coffee beans because people asked about her coffee beans. And So that was always in- intriguing to me, but Tara wanted nothing to do with it. Cut two, um, when I was working as a manager down in Temecula, California, uh, right outside of San Diego, and I hired Tara as a designer at my store there, and we became instant best friends. She's uh, so much fun. She's crazy. (laughs) But at the heart of it, she is a brilliant, brilliant designer. She has so much talent. But she she's at the point in her life where she doesn't want to keep working, she knows that she's good, so she keeps getting clients, even though she doesn't want them. She tries to talk people out of working with her. She's uh, she's told people um, that were there was a there was a lady that she started working with, and the woman called or emailed her and said, uh, "Here's a task for the day." And Tara thought, "Oh no 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 no! I'm not going to be dictated by someone else." And she called the woman. She goes, "You know what? This is not going to work. We can't work together." And the client said, oh, no, 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 I really want to work with you. No, mm-mm. You, I have a schedule and it's a tight schedule and I'm sorry if that doesn't fit with your schedule, so I'm sorry. You know, it's really not going to work. And the woman would not let her go and she ends up, she's still working for her. Uh, but now it's on her terms, right? She got to dictate that and say, no, this is how I work. So it all kind of really came bubbling back up when she put her house in the market and people kept seeing her realtor pictures. And she got three, I think three big clients. One was an $800,000 budget for a remodel, completely gutted the house. Um, The other I think was like $300,000 and $200,000. And then someone actually drove down to San Diego from Los Angeles, knocked on her door and said, I saw this house in, you know, real estate, in a real estate magazine. And I want to know who your designer is. I was like, well, that was me. So now she's designing for that woman too. Um, she called this morning in frantic because she had been asked to come and just choose paint colors for an office building. She thought, well, I can do that. You know, paint colors and a carpet. And I'll just charge a, co- you know, hourly, whatever. She gets there. Oh no, it's everything down to the rubber molding, the door handles, light fixtures, everything. And it's for the uh, Realtor Association of San Diego. So every realtor in San Diego is going to be coming through that building. So it would be a big feather in her cap if she got that job. Uh, But how does she charge for that? She's doing it by herself. 
And she's frustrated with that. And I said, well, you have to have an assistant. You're, you're doing too many projects and they're huge projects. You're going to have to have an assistant. She said, well, I don't make enough to pay an assistant. And the, the friend that, that said she would help, she wants $75 an hour. And I thought, no, <laughs> not, no, not for an assistant. $75 is a little high. So she said, okay, Chelsea, I need an hour of your coaching time. And I thought, okay. So we were talking through it and, um, I really started again to ask her those questions. You know, how many hours do you want to work? And obviously she's going to say, well, I want to retire this year. <laughs> Tara, you're too busy. How many hours do you want to work? And she figures, well, she'd like to shoot for 20. Chances are she's going to work 40. She, she's an overachiever. She's always going to be working. So, you know, I knew to, to take that into consideration. So I asked her, do you want to charge hourly? No, she doesn't want to keep track of the hours. She's too lazy to do all the paperwork. She doesn't want to learn Excel, to do an Excel spreadsheet, you know, or a timesheet. It's just too much work. Again, she's hoping to retire soon. This is just something that she happens to be really good at. So I keep telling her, you can charge more. Let's figure out how much more you can charge. And uh, I'm sharing with her my contract that I use and uh, that I give to all the students who take my course because I've left a lot of wiggle room where you can choose your pricing based on the client, based on the time of year, based on whatever it is. I leave those little spaces blank, uh, a space for design packages, and then a, a, another space for hourly. So let me explain. I was talking to her about doing packages and I said, well, you know, when I'm just doing residential design, just picking out furniture and accessories, I charge $1,500 per room. And if it's a kitchen, it's going to be more like five to 10,000 per room. And that's just your design fee. Now I had the luxury of having my own um, accounts, my own vendor accounts that I've opened. And because of that, I mark up products, whether it's tile or carpet or furniture, I can mark it up um, anywhere from 20% to doubling it. That's a typical retail markup is to double something. They call it keystone pricing, where you take the wholesale price and you double it. So, you know, I have that luxury of adding that income to my bottom line. So I can charge a little less for my design fee. And customers like that. You know, you count up how many rooms and, you know, it, it's usually, I feel it's a very fair price. With Tara, because she's doing so much construction, she's doing so much remodeling. It isn't like she could follow my typical system where you do the first house call, you gather your information. A couple days later, you have a touch base where you're seeing, you know, this or that, am I on the right page? And then a couple days later, it's final presentation. That's it. They see the renderings, they see the board, and they give you their money and you start ordering. That's a really simple cut and dry sales process. When you're working on remodeling, she has to go in and see when the countertops come in, all right, is this the slab? You know, is there anything wrong with it? Does the finish look right? When the tile's going in, is it is it going the right direction? Uh, do we have the right trim where we want it? I mean, she's really a specific detail kind of designer. So it's important that she's checking the job site. Um, she called earlier this week and she had bought all of her light fixtures for this project uh, 
through our store, through one of our designers. And so she had, she wanted to be there when the electrician was there and mark off, okay, this is where this goes. They're all exterior lights. And it was maybe, gosh, like 23, 25 lights. So she walked around the property and she had to mark them all off. And this is where I want this to go. And this is how low I want this to hang. Then she was there when he was installing them to make sure, yep, that looks good. So that's a lot of extra work. That isn't just choosing furniture from, you know, the selection that you have, the vendors that you carry. I always say, if, if I can sit in my pajamas and shop for the clients on my iPad, I'm going to charge a lot less because it's just, you know, to me, that's that's ethics. <laughs> I feel comfortable with that. But with Tara, it's a lot more of the job site visits of meeting with contractors, meeting with subs. She's doing a lot more running around, you know, when it comes to picking tile, things like that. You need to see it in person. You need to see if that glaze color that's butting up against another tile is the same white, right? Whites are unlimited. So, it's a lot a lot more energy and time invested. So I told her when it comes to her basic rooms, because again, she's doing remodeling, I would charge a minimum of 5000 per room. And she said, well, that seems too little for all the work I do. And I said, now, wait a minute. That $800,000 budget, contractors take a percentage. Contractors figure out what your building materials cost, and they double that, and that's their fee for contracting. Almost every contractor I've worked with, a couple really do keep track of their hours, but for the most part, they take the building materials and they just double it. So if you're choosing a really expensive jetted tub for someone, even though it doesn't take that much more to install it, it's going to cost a lot more. So some designers charge that way. Some designers will take the budget and say, I want to make 20%. And so with this $800,000 budget, she said her contractor's only profiting 15%. So she didn't feel comfortable doing 20 because I had recommended, well, you know, 20% of the, the, the budget, I mean, that's great money. And she was a little hesitant. She goes, oh, my contractor's only making 15%. So I'm like, okay, well, what did you make? What did you make on the project? And she made about 15000 just for her fee, right? I said, what if you had charged 5000 per room? It's a huge house. You would have made so much more money. And then if she had taken the time to set up her account, she's actually just going to use me and buy all of her, her furniture and things through me, and I'm giving her a huge discount so that she can I can pass that on to her. But that it, it, with that scenario, she feels more in control, right? It, it's a clear, um, you know, count the rooms. This is how much time I'm going to spend, and this is how much I'm going to charge. What if what if they set their budget at, at 500,000 and then something happens and they have to cut the budget? You know, or, or I worked with a client here that set a $400,000 budget and then he got a huge raise. He was made vice president of a big company. And so they doubled it and it went to a million. But if I had set my fees at a percentage of the original budget, it wouldn't be I, I wouldn't feel comfortable going and saying, "Well, now <laughs> now that the budget's gone up, I want more money. It wouldn't have worked. So there's too many variables. If you stick with a package price, and it really does, it's so personal. It, it depends on where you live. She has great access to, to materials because she's in California. So it's easy for her to go shop. If you're living somewhere, you know, you're in the middle of 
you know, Kansas or, you know, know, Iowa, you know, a smaller, a Midwest state, and you don't have the resources, you don't have all of those places to go shop, all of those mega superstores to go to where you can get good prices, you know, that's going to really take more time. You're going to have to spend more time shopping online. You're going to have to be driving maybe to another city to go look at materials. That's going to be a bigger output of your time and your energy. So you should be able to charge a little more. So you see where I'm going with this, that, that it does depend. It's personal. What is your experience level? What are, what are the budgets that you're working with? You know, if, if you're dealing with small, um, you know, upper middle class families and they only have a $10,000 budget, doing a whole design, you know, for a thousand or two thousand, it's not enough. It's not worth your time. So you need to step back and look at your business and, and there's going to be some trial and error. You're going to have to tweak it a little like she's done, right? She didn't make nearly enough on this big project. But the next one, I'm going to walk her through pricing out her services. So she'll have that per room pricing. Now she'll get to build on her income with a, a markup of product. So now she's got you know product-driven designer. Now she can add that to her bottom line. Um you know, there there are different things she can add in. She can price separately for um, installation, where she's actually coming in and staging the accessories. And she's brilliant at that, you know, bringing in accessories. You keep what you want. They always end up keeping everything. Um, but But that could be a separate fee. You know, she can build this fee to where at the end of the day, she feels really good about her income. And she's not calling me, whining to me. <laughs> Like, it's just too much work. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm over it. I'm going to tuck and roll. No, you have these great clients that, uh, you know, are begging you literally to work with you. You just have to set your fees so that you feel good about it and so you can afford to hire an assistant. Because you have these these years of experience and this talent, clients will pay more for you. And it really... If they see you with a team, if they see you as an organization that that you're so busy, you have a team that works for you, that's going to give the impression that, oh, oh, of course it's going to be higher prices. Of course, look at their staff, right? I'm going to have the best service. You know, I'm going to, nothing will slip through the cracks. I'm going to get my phone calls answered. That's worth something because she has an assistant. So because of that, she can build this great business. So like I said, my contract, I give you wiggle room. And I learned that, again, the hard way. You know, if, if you just went hourly, I don't think there's enough hours in a day to charge what you're worth. Because you're not, it just depends on where you live. You live in New York, yeah, maybe you can get $250 an hour as a designer, as an experienced designer. But not everywhere. You go someplace, and again, you're working with smaller families. They're going to look at you, you know, if you say $250 an hour, Next, you know, Pottery Barn offers free design. Why would they why would they pay you? So in my contract, in that very first paragraph where it talks about pricing, I have it listed that this is the price per room, and there's a little blank, and you write it in when you're at the client's house. And the second part of that paragraph says, as we get working together in our project, If we've had to redesign 
because of changes um, or delays, or if you've, I'm trying to think how I worded it, if um, decisions aren't made in a timely manner, we may have to switch to hourly. And then there's a little blank. And she could put $50 an hour, she could put $500 an hour. But that gives you, it does two things. It gives you an out so that if it is someone that can't make up their mind, you can show them your contract and say, well, you know what? I think because this is taking you know longer than a normal design, we're going to switch over to an hourly. And I'm going to tell you how many hours each week that I'm working. It won't be a, a hidden price. I'm going to give you, you know, I'll tell you this week, you know, maybe I'm expecting to work 20 hours and, you know, I'll bill you every Friday and you'll pay me for that. Sometimes just that conversation is enough to get people snapped back to like, oh, oh, I guess I have been a little wishy-washy. I guess I have been, you know, it's hard to make these decisions. Okay, uh, you know, what we have, what, what's designed is beautiful. You're right. I don't need to see every light fixture that exists in order to decide on the first one that I was going to pick in the first, you know, you, they're always going to come back to that first, that first piece. That's enough sometimes to say, oh, nope, you're right. The, the original package price is fine. So it kind of puts a little fear into them, um, a little bit of guilt, nothing wrong with that in a contract. And it's a bargaining tool that, that you have, you know, a, a client's dragging you along and wasting your time. You can say, you know, in our contract, that's why I talked about hourly, because that design fee per room is based on a typical design and how many hours that I normally put into a design in the first house call, the um, coming back and checking on products that are being installed, making sure that everything's installed correctly, and then the install. That price was based on a typical design. And since it's taking this a lot longer and we didn't know that your husband didn't like blue and that we just spent three weeks choosing everything and now we have to start from the beginning. I think it's best if we switch to an hourly. So you see that it gives you that wiggle room. And I, I've always been that way as a designer, as an ADD creative type person. I have to have some flexibility. You know, I've gone to houses and you think, oh, this will be easy. She wants her living room done, just a refresh, you know, simple in and out. And you get there and you find out that they're a hoarder. That's a completely different story. That that it, that takes a psychiatrist to come along with you. Totally different ballpark. That's the kind of person that you could say your package price is going to be $5,000 a room. Because you know you're going to have to take your time, help them sort, help them let go of things. It's a big emotional, that's a whole nother animal. But you have that freedom on the spot at the house. If you get to that first house call and the customers are bickering with each other, clearly one wants to have a designer help and clearly, uh, you know, maybe the spouse or partner doesn't like change and isn't ready to make those decisions. And you see, ooh. This is going to be a lot of negotiating. This is going to be a lot of me hand-holding, a lot of me taking them places to look at things, sit on things. I'm going to charge, charge a higher per room fee. And I am definitely going to put in there that I charge $150 an hour for my hourly. And if we have exceeded a certain amount of time, you can tell them how many hours you want that to be, that a typical design takes 10 hours or a typical design you know, takes 30 hours. Be really transparent about that up front. And talk about money up front. That protects you as you get into these, you know, nightmare projects. It's better that you do that up front than say, oh yeah, it's $1,500 and you're 
two months in and they still haven't made a decision and you're working that whole time for that original amount. It, it's really disheartening. And that's where I see people burning out. That's where I see designers just giving up. It's no wonder she doesn't want to do it anymore because she does these big, you know, great transformations. And she's not making – she, she, I, I bet if she figured out hourly, she's probably making about $10 an hour, which for her talent is not nearly em- uh, enough. So thinking about your business, where where do you live? What are the going rates? How much experience do you have? You know, are your clients paying for you to learn on the job? Are your clients going to be paying because you don't know the difference between, you know, sanded grout, non-sanded grout? You don't know which tiles can go on your wall or your floor. Are you going to be spending a lot of your time figuring those things out? You don't need your clients paying for that. That's not fair. So think about your experience level. Think about the accessibility of your resources. Are you doing everything online? And these are things that, you know, they're okay that every piece of furniture comes from Restoration Hardware, Pottery Barn, you know, Crate and Barrel. They can see it online. You're just putting it, to, you're just putting it together. That's going to be a lower price point. So look at that business. What does your business look like? Remember, I always say, design the business you want. And decide how much you want to make a year. And be realistic. I mean, who wouldn't want to make, you know, I want to make $10 million. Great. <laughs> In what world? Look at what you feel good with that, that a designer would make in your town. That's an average income. You know, if it's 100000 a year, that's very doable in most places as a designer. But some really remote places, you know, designers might make 50000 a year. And that's okay. That's, that's still a great income in a lot of places in our country. But work backwards from there. Decide, you know, I can probably get maybe five good clients this year. And if I want to make 100000 you know, I, that means I need to make, I need to earn a profit of, it's uh, what, 8800 um, per month to get 100000 So either I have to go find more clients or I need to find more expensive furniture to sell them, or I need to get really good at creating complete designs so that I'm packing more into each room, but I can charge more because it's a complete look. Or there's other services you can add and build on, like accessory house calls, party planning, Christmas decorations. There are certain things you can add to your bottom line. But what does that look like in a year? And, and then decide what you're going to charge. Again, I've, I've had people call and say, well, I've been charging $40 an hour. Hmm, where, where do you live? They'll say San Francisco. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. San Francisco, you, you need to be charging at least $150 an hour because that is the going rate. Don't price yourself out of your market and don't undersell yourself so you'll get burnt out. There is that fine line. But write it out. Make a timeline. Make goals for yourself. You know, if I'm just starting from scratch and I want to make 100000 next year, start with, okay, for this year I want to make, you know, 45000 and then I'm going to build on that next year. Fantastic. How many clients do you need for that? You know, uh, how many rooms does that break down to? Maybe you need 10 kitchens. But, but look at it uh, very organically as a whole. How much do you want to work? How much do you want to make? What are your limitations? And what does that look like? 
and then send me notes. I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear more prices. Um, I talk to designers around the country. I know what designers <clears throat> excuse me, charge in New York and California and Midwest and Texas. I'd love to see what uh, hear what designers charge in other parts of the country. I know we've got um, viewers and I've got students in uh, Switzerland and Uganda and tons of Australia, New Zealand, Spain, uh, Portugal, you know, all over the world. Write to me and let me know. What do you charge? How does it look like in your country? What do designers normally make? What What is a typical design income? I'd be really curious if you could leave it in the notes section of YouTube or send me an email, uh, chelsea at designforaliving.com. I'd love to start reporting that back to you guys so that you have something to compare it to. I want to keep sharing this designer community. You know, I always say designers do not play well with others. They don't always share their advice. And that's why I started this podcast and why I started coaching and teaching. We need to help each other. We need to build each other up and we need to support one another. And sharing information is the best way to do that. So please, or, or Facebook, we've got a Design for a Living Facebook page. Reach out and, and give me some numbers. I want to hear what you make or what you want to make. And uh, I'll, I'll keep sharing the information. So uh, next week, I'm going to have Shraddha, uh, who is a new designer that I hired. She's amazing. She got her design degree uh, in Mumbai, in India, and she's a ray of sunshine. And so this is something that we'll ask her, right? She was an independent designer for many years in India, and she worked at architectural firms. She's kind of been in all aspects of design, and I haven't ever asked her how that really worked in her country. So uh, that'll be a great next week podcast. So look forward to that. Thank you so much, you guys. Keep sending me letters. Keep liking the videos and the podcasts and asking me questions. I really do appreciate it. It makes me smile and I love to answer them. Pierce will get back to you via email if you email me, um, but I still read them all. She gives me my list of, these are people that emailed you today and you need to check on this. You need So I do see them all. I just don't always have the time to spend hours writing big letters like I used to, but Pierce is going to be great at it. And we will see you next week. Happy designing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Design for a Living with Chelsea Coriel. Our episodes will be dropping on Sunday, so stay tuned. We are on Google Podcasts and Spotify, so stay tuned for that and follow along. Thanks so much for being with us. Find us online at designforaliving.com. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and House at Design for a Living. If you'd like to submit a question or request a topic, email us at chelsea at designforaliving.com. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A at designforaliving.com.